Hello! You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. Chris and I are both huge fans as we welcome you to this 534th episode of Unscripted. We are huge fans of Angels all-world center fielder Mike Trout. We had the nuclear draft last month, and Chris had the first pick and took, and rightfully so, took Mike Trout. But statistically, I want just to make you folks aware of my first overall pick in that nuclear draft. Why, you may ask? Well, statistically, the best player in Major League Baseball right now is not Mike Trout. But who? Let's take a quick look at the numbers. Trout's batting average since this, and again, these numbers have been put together and compiled since the 2018 All-Star break. So basically two and a half years, okay? Trout's batting average, 297. The other guy's batting average, 342. His, he has scored 140 runs. The other guy has scored 158 runs. Trout has hit 59 home runs during this time. The other guy has hit 69, which is the highest in Major League Baseball. Trout in this time frame, again, dating back to the 2018 All-Star break, Trout has hit, excuse me, has driven in 133 runs. This other guy has driven in 164 runs. And extra base hits, since the 2018 All-Star break, Mike Trout has 96 extra base hits. This guy has 124 extra base hits. And what's OPS? Do you remember? Oh, I forget. There's so many stats I don't stats know what now. the hell it is, but... Mike Trout's OPS over this time frame is 1.100. This other guy's is the highest in Major League Baseball at 1.141. This guy, I know you're going to know who it is. Oh, yeah, I know who it is. Let us know. Christian Yelich of the Milwaukee Brewers. Hello! Christian Yelich of the Milwaukee Brewers unfortunately went hitless yesterday as the Brewers were shut out 3-0 on opening day to the Chicago Cubs, but I still think Mike Trout is the best. Don't, I'm not pulling punches here and if if chris if i were to have won the first overall pick of the nuclear draft i'm taking mike trout too i have no issue about this but i'm just telling you folks do not forget about what they're calling the hebrew hammer out there in milwaukee Kristen yelich is one very very good young baseball player and worth the big contract that the milwaukee brewers just gave him so i just wanted to make people clear that um mike trout I'm not denying his talent. I, again, would take him first overall, but there's a guy that plays right field in Milwaukee that's pretty damn good, and his name isn't Hank Aaron. There you go. Um, A lot of things to get to, a lot of mix and mashing of things that we didn't get to back in episode 532, so we'll get to right now, and we'll start in the National Hockey League, and I found this intriguing, and I'm just reporting the news here because I don't quite understand how they're going to do this. Now, when I worked for my best friend in the world and my broadcast hero, Ron Barr, back in the day, I had a seven-second delay because they were always afraid that I'd say shit or fuck or something like that. And then if the, as long as the board op or the engineer wasn't sleeping, he had seven seconds to make sure that that didn't get out over the air. I don't know what, how they do it in this regard because I am not a technical guy. Chris can vouch. Um, I'm getting better. I've subscribed to all of our different things, so that's huge for me. But the National Hockey League announced on Friday, as we get ready to start their um, restart, the 24 teams that have been invited to either 
Toronto or Edmonton to complete the 2019-2020 National Hockey League season, the NHL announced on Friday that they will have a five-second delay on broadcasts and artificial crowd noise when it restarts the season on August 1 in Edmonton and Toronto. There will be 32 cameras in each arena versus the usual 12 cameras to televise NHL games. And I think you are smart enough to realize where the five-second delay is, so maybe you can (laughs) certainly lighten my ass up, but I just wanted to know the significance of a five-second delay, and I'm really looking forward to the angles that we're going to get with 32 cameras in an NHL arena to televise a game where, again, usually they just have 12. Yeah, that's going to be actually really interesting. I'm sure they'll have some really good 360-degree stuff. The reason, and I just found out about this, but the only reason I can think of why they would want the five-second delay, uh, other than censoring curse words, which I, I don't know if they're concerned about that that much. I guess maybe they are. But also, if they're piping in crowd noise, that I don't know if that's necessary. It's kind of the old... Uh, laugh track debate from Correct. sitcoms is Correct. what that is, right? So I've, st- I've studied that when I've looked at, you know, about making comedy videos or something like that. And, and uh, you know, a lot of the comedies nowadays don't have it, like The Office and that. And a lot of those shows, they like more of the awkward thing. They like to kind of have that awkward silence there and use that for comedic effect. Uh, if you look at shows like Friends or something. I mean, you can't imagine it not having a laugh track. And and actually, some of some shows they've shown the difference. Some are just better suited for laugh track, and some are better without. Some things in Friends, I think it was they were showing like if you don't have the laugh track, it kind of comes off as weird and creepy. Right. right. So you know, it, but I, it's so manipulative. I mean, just telling people, you know, oh, you're supposed to laugh here, but I guess they have applause breaks or laugh Correct. breaks in yeah. a studio show like yeah. a, a late night talk show. Correct. So very manipulative. Uh, I, <laughs> I guess it's kind of funny, but uh, I don't know. I was a lot of the appeal. I was talking to a friend the other day, and he was saying that he was really looking forward to. He didn't know about this crowd noise thing. He was really looking forward to having it silent there and hearing the guys talking on the ice, communicating, and just that real extra element and that extra dimension to the viewing experience. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. Remember when Fox started televising National <laughs> Hockey League How games. could I forget? Well, no, but I'm just saying, I mean, it was stupid. But I, I get the idea. Americans do not, un- and I'm, I'm including myself in this until I've lived the last 24 years in this great country, but I never realized until I came up here and got everyday education about the game of hockey for the first number of years I was in Canada. But there are plays. They run set plays. They run different, you know, they, they have... They literally have plays. They aren't just sitting there. The coaches aren't just sitting there during their one time out and, and drawing flowers on that whiteboard. They are actually executing plays. But Americans didn't understand that. Americans didn't understand that. I mean, obviously, if you're in an original six city, you get it. You know what a back check is. You know what a four check is. You know that. But the uneducated NHL fan in the States did not understand. And they couldn't keep up. And I understand at the beginning why Fox did it. It made Americans look like silly idiots in regard to the the puck tracer thing. I think that was stupid as hell. But they were trying to get Americans to understand how fast the game is and how hard it is to keep tabs on the where that little rubber puck is. I understand that part of it. But I am very intrigued to see what happens when these games start out. And um, I... I 32 cameras, I think, are going to give us some in-depth yeah. uh, some in-depth shots that we've never seen before. 
And that's the thing. Besides getting the competition back, I think that's going to be very, very interesting to see, and I look forward to it. And again, those games start on August the 1st in either Edmonton for the West Co- Western Conference teams and Toronto for the Eastern Conference teams. And remember, folks, the Stanley Cup Finals will be at Rogers Place in Edmonton, and we did get a hearing this week or did hear this week that Rogers Place is ready to go, 100%. Everything's been taken care of after the storms, so we should be good to go to watch the National Hockey League again starting August 1st in Edmonton and Toronto. Also from the National Hockey League, and uh, when you get an endorsement from Connor McDavid that this guy should win the award, and he's already won the scoring championship this year because they couldn't catch him. And I'm talking about Edmonton Oilers center, Leon Dreisaitl. First German. Remember, I remembered that. Oh, I, I got to go do like this. I keep thinking the, the thing is over here. It's over here. Um, Leon Dreisaitl, the first German to win a scoring championship in the National Hockey League. Congratulations. But it was announced on Friday that Dreisaitl, along with Colorado Avalanche center, Nathan McKinnon, and New York Rangers winger, Artem... Artemi Panarin. Thank you, sir. Those three have been named the Hart Trophy finalists for the 2019-2020 season. And before I get Chris's input, I just want, and I do definitely want Sean Dode, who we've now given a promotion to our (laughs) Pacific Northwest hockey insider, guru guy, that this guy right here in the Yankee hat, who hasn't shaven in a couple of days, um, I picked Nathan McKinnon. Because I went back to that episode, because Sean was part of our Mm -hmm. season preview, and I went back to that episode, and I picked Nathan McKinnon to win the heart. Um, I don't think he's going to win it now, because I think it rightfully should go to Leon Dreisaddle. But I just want people to know that I am learning this game, and I did pick Nathan McKinnon to win the heart at the beginning of the season. He is one of three finalists, even though at this stage of the game, after what this man has done this year. I think the winning, the winner of the Hart Trophy should go to Edmonton Oilers center, Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, and that was a great pick, but I don't think anybody could have realistically picked Leon Dreisaitl because he plays on the same team as Connor McDavid. And when Taylor Hall won the Hart Trophy recently, the comment that everybody came up with was, well, it's sure a good thing that Taylor Hall left Edmonton or he never would have won a Hart Trophy with (laughs) Connor McDavid there. Well, hey, Leon Dreisaitl played with Connor McDavid and he... Uh, Looks like he's going to win it. He's already won the Art Ross. And what a dominant season for him. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is as talented as anybody other than And will win someday in his career. Yeah, yeah. He definitely should. And he'll probably win the scoring title at some point as well, too. He'll probably have his year at some point. And, uh, you know, Taylor Hall got his win there. And Connor McDavid's going to win a lot more trophies as well. But uh, good for Leon Dreisaitl on a team where he's kind of the permanent second banana and I've said on this program before that if he was on almost any other team he would be the guy and he's upright he's got the size he's got very underrated skating especially top speed he's got the best backhand pass in the business he's smart he's got a quick release uh he's just he's such a complete player he shields the puck as well as anybody getting the puck away from that guy is almost impossible he's just such a complete player he's smart he's developing a bit of an edge which is interesting when that one team pissed him off and he scored and he just he skated right by the bench and like right in front of him and stared at all of them uh little uh, nice friendly <laughs> yeah, little German leon kid. from yeah. 2014 yeah. wouldn't have done that so uh really just a complete all-around player what a luxury to have yeah to have both of those guys. 
Uh, it's nice to know that we have a 12.5% chance of getting Alexis Lafreniere first overall if we do lose in the first round. But uh, You're going to beat Chicago. Well, encouraging news, Brent Seabrook is going to right. be sitting out for that, season, that series at least. And uh, Corey Crawford, the goalie, is still missing in action. Nobody knows what's going on with him. He did make their playoff roster, though. Oh, did he? Okay, yeah, but he was put he, on the roster yesterday. I don't, but he hasn't committed to being in the Correct. hub yet. I don't. But think, he so. is been so. If he does commit to play, he is eligible to play because they were to by yesterday, I believe they were supposed to make their uh, postseason rosters. Yeah, so the door is open, it. but I don't know what's going on with him. But uh, unless maybe he's got COVID and it's kept quiet, I have no idea what's going on there. But it, uh, their backup is Malcolm Subban, PK Subban's uh, little brother. Well, that's right, because their old backup went to Vegas at the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so um, yeah. So it's looking good for the Oilers. Uh, reports are saying Connor looks unbelievable and that he's going to come out and just be well, full on Connor. So. I want to remind people that this man right here told everybody that and i it was a brilliant observation then and it's certainly come to come to form now these could be the best playoffs the national hockey league has ever had and you better throw the nba in there too because these guys have never been this healthy at this point of the season mm -hmm. you're getting 22 teams in the nba and 24 teams in the national hockey league that are as healthy as they have been they're coming off a four break four month hiatus and i think uh Again, circumstances that are unbeknownst to us right now, depending on if, if guys have contracted the, the COVID-19 thing. But generally speaking, I would think that these could potentially be, and you made this point months ago, that this could be one of the most entertaining postseasons just because you are going to have healthy teams and healthy rosters coming into these postseasons. And I'm really looking forward to that aspect of yeah, it for sure. Um, I don't want... You know, people, and I've heard this from people, and not from him. He's too classy. But I've heard from people that uh, um, I uh, am a little bit too, uh, I, I try to keep the CFL in the news. And uh, some people have given me some static about this because, well, it's a, it's a B league. These are my American friends, but this mm. is a B league. This is this, that, and the other thing. Well, I just have to say things to people that um, you can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> I haven't said that in a long time, pretty much since my dad passed. But the people that don't think that the CFL is a legitimate professional league, you can go fuck yourselves. Um, they play an exciting brand of football up here. And let me tell you, folks, those now uh, they're 12 men on each side. So those 24 guys that are out there are putting themselves through the trials and tribulations the same, well, maybe not the same, but very similar to the National Football League guys. Maybe the Canadian guys aren't as big, but it's a faster game. It's a quicker game. It's played on a bigger field. It's played on a longer field. But you guys that don't legitimize the CFL as a legitimate sports, professional sports league, you can go fuck yourselves. And I will continue to make mention of the CFL because I think it's a great game. I think that, that it is a um, entertaining game. I like that they score more points. I like that there's less television breaks, to be honest with you, with commercials. But again, the, my biggest obstacle with the C CFL is that I wish that they could get an even number of teams. 
That's mm-hmm. my biggest thing because I think it's ridiculous when you have to have a Western team potentially play in the Eastern oh, because terrible. of the crossover because we only have nine teams in the Canadian football and league. a bye every week. But now we are getting the Maritime team. That'll well, be but 10. we don't quite know when they're coming on board. You and I both thought it was last year, and then we mm-hmm. we both were were wrong, and we we don't know. But again, yes, I I, I think that's great when that we're going to have five in the East and five in the West, and that's the way it should be. But this. Physically, folks, is a fine game. They hit hard. They throw well. They catch well. They do all the things. And here's the thing. They do it at a quarter of the price. CFL games are still, uh, uh, you know, you're still able to get to them with a family of four. You are able to enjoy the day. They have cold beer there. They have all the, the hot dogs and the brats and they have everything else. But the CFL, we haven't heard a lot from, Okay. And there's been a lot going on, obviously, since March the 15th or March the 12th, whichever day you want to start. But I do have to give a little a little static here to CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi because he has been silent. And that's, you know, whatever. But the CFL finally made news on Friday, and I'm happy to announce that the CFL has tentatively selected Winnipeg as its hub city if a 2020 season takes place. Public health and safety officials in Manitoba must approve the CFL's COVID-19 protocols for the league to move forward in the province. All three proposals, they got a proposal from Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and the city of Calgary, were excellent, and all three would make superb hubs, CFL Ambrosio, the commissioner, said. The CFL hopes to play a condensed schedule that would begin in September. The season was supposed to start in June, but the pandemic prompted an indefinite postponement and yada, yada, yada. You know the rest. I want to see a CFL football game. I really do. And what I'm hearing is starting after Labor Day in the hub city of Winnipeg. I always call it Winterpeg because I hate winter, but, you know, whatever. Um, I just want to see a CFL game. I want to see... The Calgary Stampeders play the Edmonton Eskimos or whatever their Eskimos are going to be named. I want to see the Toronto Argonauts play against the um, Hamilton Tiger Cats. But I really, really, really want to see the Banjo Bowl again between the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Not because of the funny name, because you know what, folks? It's a rivalry game. It's fun to watch these teams, but what's more than fun, and we're going to miss this. Obviously, they're going to be in empty houses, but... It's still fun when you get border combatants, border wars between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. Those two provinces take their serious football very, very seriously, and they play it at a high level. And I don't like when half-assed Americans make jokes about it because, A, they're too stupid to find out about the real game, and B, well, they're just stupid. So (laughs) I just love this game. I think there's a lot of advantages to having it. And look at it this way, folks. If we don't get college football this year, it'll be a great way to, you know, get your football fix if you don't have the opportunity this year to watch Alabama or LSU or Ohio State or Wisconsin or all the big boys down in the States that play college football on Saturdays. The CFL will be a great alternative. And if they do launch, I hope that there are some people that will tune in to ESPN2 down in the States and watch some good football 
on a bigger field, on a wider field, and more men on the field, but more scoring and less commercials. A lot of positives for me. Yeah, yeah. The Americans might find out that the field is not only wider, but 30 yards longer. You have 10 extra yards in the middle. And you have a center line, which is the 55-yard line, and you have 20 yards in the end zone. What a concept. And you've got, of course, the uh, uprights on the goal line causing some chaos there as well. But if they can show the Korean Baseball League in the Absolutely. States, then I'm hoping that we're going to see some CFL. If there's no college, maybe some people will watch that. Uh, I think it'd be smart of the CFL to make sure they're scheduling some Saturday games. Boom. 100%. So that'll be good. But uh, yeah, all right. Uh, I think we need to do a two-minute warning okay, here. Real so quick. let's go. Yeah, real quick. The NBA is saying that these last eight regular season games will not count in regard to who wins the league's individual awards. So here are my winners right here. Go ahead. We got them on. We got them on tape. We got them yep. on video. Here we go. MVP for the second year in a row, Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I don't think I need to say anything more. Um, I know that people are going to say LeBron James. I know that there are going to be people that say other names, but Giannis is the man. Rookie of the year. And I'm going to hear a lot of static because people think that it should be Zion Williamson. No, people. It should not be Fat Boy. Well, it used to be Fat Boy. Now he's looking great. But the Rookie of the Year should be Jay or Ja or whatever Morant from the Memphis Grizzlies for the simple fact that the man played all 65 games, made the All-Star team. He is a stud on the horizon, and he is very deserving of the Rookie of the Year. J uh, Williamson didn't play enough games. He didn't qualify, in my mind, to be Rookie of the Year. Enough said. Coach of the Year, simple. Hands down, Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors. What he did with this team, and I've mentioned it many times, but what he's done with this team after losing Kawhi Leonard, after losing Duran, Duran, uh, DeMar DeRozan the year before in the trade with the Clippers, or with the San Antonio Spurs, sorry, I think Nick Nurse has done an unbelievable job, and they had everybody of their starting five has missed time this year with injuries, and yet Toronto, six and a half games back of Milwaukee, but my God, if they didn't have Nick Nurse, they'd be 20 games back of the Milwaukee Bucks. And real quickly, Defensive Player of the Year, I'm going to make it a tie this year. Defensive Player of the Year, Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Bucks and Anthony Davis of the LA Lakers. I think those two are difference makers on the defensive end, and I wanted to give give them both to Giannis, but in the end, I think Anthony Davis deserves that recognition as Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, Kawhi could be Defensive Player if he wasn't... He doesn't qualify. If he wasn't managing his load all the time. <laughs> We've got to run on this 530-whatever episode of Unscripted. Thank you very much for joining us. Hope that you continue to do so. Continue to subscribe, both video and audio, and I'm going to shut up. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.